What up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode 58 of the Splint Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. First and foremost, welcome to the family, my brand new niece, Olivia, who was born yesterday, a healthy seven and a half or eight pounds around that range. And we are very happy to have her in the fam. A couple years ago, my first niece and goddaughter was born on the day of the yearly Jets tailgate that my brother and I go to. And it was awesome, obviously, you know, having her born. But if she could have just shifted her do her being born day a couple days, we would have made the game. So she's definitely a Giants fan. Olivia, on the other hand, I think is going to be a Jets fan. But we'll see. <laughs> and uh, yeah, aside from that, in this episode, I speak about UFC 204, UFC 205. Watching a childhood favorite movie of mine that I completely forgot existed, Toy Soldiers. Uh, Starting to watch the USA show, Mr. Robot. A high road way out for Donald Trump. And I also read and reflect on some free writing, which is located at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. So in this episode, I just have one free writing piece that I'm going to share with you guys. And then a bunch of the other stuff that I just mentioned. So if you're into any of it, please stick around and listen. If not, then check out the next episode that will come out in a couple weeks. So this episode, I'm actually recording it early. Because <clears throat> like I mentioned to you guys, I'm going to be on my honeymoon. Um, today is Monday, October 10th, 2016. And I'm leaving to Mexico on the 15th. The podcast is due uh, every other Thursday, uh, the episodes come out. So the episode that's coming out on the 20th, which is this one here, um, I have to record now so that you guys can have something to listen to. The show must go on, on schedule. Let's see how long I can keep that, that, uh, trend going. I think it's going on almost two years now of every other Thursday, which is pretty cool. Um, all right, let's get started. First off, UFC, oh yeah, so I will be, I think when this episode comes out, and you guys are listening to it, I will most likely be on a beach in Mexico, having some breakfast with a margarita or something like that. Can't wait. (laughs) Alright, UFC 204 was pretty cool, and... I enjoyed a couple of the fights, and uh, first of which was the Jimmy, spoiler alert, by the way, I'm going to speak about like the fights and what happened and shit like that. Uh, first one, it was uh, not the first fight, but the first one that, that, I don't know if it was the first one that I saw, no, it was like the second or third one that I saw, because I didn't start watching from the very beginning, but uh, the first notable one, in my opinion, was Jimmy Manoa, when he knocked out OSP. And it was like a, a dope like left hook to the body. And then an overhand right that just knocked out OSP. And it was a, a sick knockdown, knockout. Unless there was a better one than that, then I'm sure that he got a, a fight of the night. Uh, not fight of the night. Uh, knockout of the night uh, fighting bonus. 
So that was pretty dope. Then the second fight that was notable to me was the Gegard Musasi and Vitor Vitor Belfort fight. And to me, full disclosure, I have like a not a dislike. I hear supposedly he's like a a super nice guy or whatever, uh, Vitor Belfort. But there's something about him that I don't like, and it's it probably has to do with like he's he's uh, like a serial um steroid guy like he got popped a few times for for taking steroids it's like so much so that he's known as he has this whole like steroid stigma around him he's known as like whenever anybody references his fights it's like is that pre pre steroids or post steroids vitor it's like oh that fight was uh uh pre steroid vitor that fight was post steroid vitor that fight oh that fight was also post steroid vitor and I don't know, something about, like, wanting to get that edge at all costs and, and like, taking competition to that next level that's, like, kind of, like, crossing the line, in my opinion. Uh, something about that that I don't like, about a person's, like, character or whatever. So, when Gegard Musasi um, beat him, uh, I thought was 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 cool. I was rooting for, for Musasi. And Musashi just looked, in my opinion, more like versatile. He had like better like footwork. He was moving around a lot more. Uh, he was throwing like throwing and connecting with uh, combos. Um, his transitions were on point, like in terms uh, of of jujitsu. Um, yeah, he was throwing head kicks. He, he was just like he seemed like more well rounded. I don't know if that's like on paper, if that's like factually true or anything like that, or historically with those two guys. But to me, that's as an observer, that's what I saw, and um, it was pretty cool. And next is the main event, which is Dan Henderson on his last UFC fight, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, absolutely, you know, one of the pioneers of the sport, who was fighting at 46 years old. Um, he said before this fight that it was going to be his last fight, win or lose. He was fighting for the championship against uh, Michael Bisping, and. Oh, something something interesting about the UFC 204. It took place in in um, the UK, and they aired it in connection with the US uh, timeline because um, that's where the dollars are coming from, apparently. So we watched it here like a regular pay per view at 10 p.m. Uh, like the main main cards started like at 10 p.m. I think they started fighting um, like the main event like around 11:30, 12:30 a.m. And in the UK, it was literally like five in the morning, so that was like a, a an interesting adjustment that everybody had to do. That was on that card, you know, flying out there and stuff like that. But Michael, the Count Bisping, is from the UK, and he's like a mega superstar there. And in the US, he's not so much. You know, he's a star definitely in the UFC, but he's not like like for example, in in those of you that know Conor McGregor, he's like star power. Um, Michael Bisping is like that within the UK. Like, they love him absolutely out there. And he has a, a history with Dan Henderson that fueled the anticipation of this fight. Even though they're older guys, you know, Dan Henderson is literally his last fight. He said win or lose. He's 46 years old. Um, Michael Bisping won the championship against Luke Rockhold in a surprise knockout of, of Luke Rockhold. Like, he literally took the fight on, like, two weeks' notice because uh, somebody backed out. And um, was it Weidman? Weidman got hurt or something like that. He was supposed to fight Rockhold again or somebody got hurt. 
who was supposed to play Rockhold. And uh, Michael uh, Bismick stepped in, said he'll take the fight on two weeks' notice. Um, he was, like, I think 100% underdog. Um, so much so that Rockhold was, like, taking him for granted. You can see even during the fight, he was like, oh, I'm just going to kill this guy. I don't even have to try. And Michael Bisming wound up knocking him the fuck out, which was really cool uh, for Bisming. And to finally, after all those years, get a, get a, a title shine actually win. Then, um, but, you know, there's always kind of like the asterisk, like, oh, uh, you know, he took the fight on short notice, and um, which is more of a, like, a negative to him, right? Like, you would think he would lose that much more, but it was like... There was kind of like an asterisk in terms of, oh, Rockhold wasn't taking him seriously, so he's not really a champ. Like, stuff like that, I guess, you know, for some people. To me, it's like, if you win, you win. Like, the fact that your opponent didn't take you seriously, that's on him. And anyway, back going back to UFC 100 years ago, it was Dan Henderson and Michael Bisping were the coaches of the UFC show Tough, The Ultimate Fighter that I've spoken about here in the past is where, you know, they, it's like a real world type of show. They throw all these potential fighters in, in a house together. They all train together with two fighters of the UFC that become their coaches. They split them up into teams. And then people, you know, they li- they have to live together, all of them, both teams in the same house. So there's always like that type of drama. Plus they all train uh, together with their respective coaches and then uh, fight each other. There's like one fight per episode or something like that, sometimes two, and people get eliminated. Will you lose one time and you're out? The last person standing gets a UFC contract, um, a six-figure UFC contract and is in the UFC. Then the coaches of both teams, they have to fight each other um, in, a, in an upcoming uh, pay-per-view, which, is, which airs like right after the show. So it's a, a pretty cool format that they have going. And they, back then... Uh, UFC 100 tough was was um, more popular I think than it is now I'm not sure like numbers wise but I guess in terms of just my personal viewership of it <laughs> and Dan Henderson is was always like a, a top-notch wrestler they call his right hand like the h-bomb because he literally just taps you with it and he knocks you the fuck out He's, he was like that like his entire career and he just a powerful 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 uh, striker Michael Bisping was always, you know, he has the UK, like, hype and, and backing behind him. And he popped a lot of shit. Like, he was an obnoxious. Everybody hated him. The whole the whole season turned into, like, a UK versus USA type of fucking East Coast, West Coast beef type of thing. And um, Dan Henderson was, a, a, a like, a stoic, doesn't talk much, quiet uh, dude. And Michael Bisping was the exact opposite. And he, during, when they, they when they fought... Dan Henderson knocked Michael Bisping out so in such, I guess, historic fashion, I guess you would call it. So much so that the silhouette of him knocking out Michael Bisping became his logo. That is, was from that point on, on all his t-shirts, on all his uh, shorts, on his website. You guys can can Google that, probably um, a link to the episode notes so you guys can see an image of it actually. And it was a, a bit of a controversial knockout, actually, because Henderson knocked him out, right? He he threw that overhand right that he's famous for, knocked him out cold, like cold, cold. Like there was, like if he stopped right there, he didn't have to move or like jump on him and, and wait for the ref to, like he was, 
he was like eterikao, like fucking his his legs were like straight and stiff like he was knocked out and then um this is where the controversial part comes the ref was standing like not close enough to get in the way like you know normally the the ref is like a little bit closer dan harrison knocked him out and then proceeded to dive in the air like he was literally airborne like flying in the air type shit towards bisbang and then dropped another punch dead in his fucking face dead in his jaw and it was like it's kind of like poor form not kind of it was poor form like he was clearly knocked out and but like a fucking g he takes the the mic afterwards and he was like i knew he was knocked out but that was for talking shit i had to shut him up <laughs> so he kind of like internalized all that shit talking that bisping was doing and fucking shut him up so yeah um and at that point ufc 100 like bisping wasn't as seasoned of a fighter as henderson was and um um it was just a it was like karma for the show i guess right uh for to get knocked out that way and then this in ufc uh 204 they finally meet again um bisping's um more liked now like uh he didn't like soften up on the shit talking but he was but I don't know, people, like, root for him because he was, like, such an underdog against Rockhold, and he finally, after all these years in the UFC, won the belt and stuff like that, and then he was going up against Henderson, so I brought up, like, all the all this old stuff again, and he was more seasoned of a fighter, he's a better fighter, and in round one, uh, Henderson throws, you know, he's looking, clearly looking for that overhand, right, it's, like, one of those moves that you know the fighter's looking for that, but you can't do shit about it, and that's how he fights, like, he... he he he's going for that overhand right like the, almost the entire time and he catches bisming bisming falls uh dan henderson flurries him in the first round and it's like holy shit he's gonna do it he's gonna beat him um you know win the bell at 46 years old and then retire and then it, it would have been kind of like a dope story but bisbing weathered the storm he got out of it the ref didn't stop it which wound up being like a a good non-stoppage and it was close to the end of, of the round, if I'm not mistaken. And then the second round, it was more of the same. Um, I think uh, uh, Henderson got that round also. And one thing about Henderson, though, he gasses out um, after a couple rounds. And that was the case here. Um, he, uh, Bisbing afterwards, uh, out, out uh, striked him. Uh, had a lot of, you know, had a huge gash, like, in his in his eye like his left eye and you know completely swollen and um he 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 duked it out with with henderson like the remaining he definitely bisbing got the third round probably the fourth round and then the fifth round was like close but the decision wound up going ultimately to bisbing which is cool uh for him you know he he defended uh, his title and you know he's not retiring he's still gonna fight and um, looking forward to seeing him fight again. And at the same time, you know, sad to see Henderson go, but he's fucking 46 years old. And definitely one of the great, greats and pioneers of the sport. So hats off to him as well. Now, moving on to UFC 205, which for those of you that don't know, is the first UFC event taking place in New York City in Madison Square Garden which is a historic card. And the reason why, for those of you that don't know, the UFC was not was not um, able 
to fight in in New York has to do with an unrelated uh, an, an unrelated reason, uh, which is the fact that the owners, the people that used to be owners of the UFC, of Zufa, the company that owns UFC, which is the Fertitta brothers, also own station casinos in like Vegas. And uh, I don't know if there's any like in anywhere else, but they have casinos in Vegas called station casinos. They own that. They're a non-union um, entity. And because of that, the the city council and like their backing of you know unions here in New York um, weren't for that, and they pretty much told them this is like what the, the background story is. You know, I wasn't in the chambers of the the council listening to these conversations and stuff like that, but they they um, pretty much told them that unless they unionize, that they wouldn't allow them to 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 fight within New York City. Same 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 deal that goes with Walmart. Like Walmart, there's no um Walmarts within the five boroughs of New York for that same exact reason because they're non-union. Unions have a strong uh, stronghold around politicians because they donate to politicians uh here in the city. Politicians, you know, city council and the mayor, they make up the rules as to what goes on at least within the confines of the city. So same type of deal. UFC said, "Go fuck yourself. We're not gonna unionize, like justify it in New York. You know, we would love to, but you guys aren't gonna dictate what we do." Which um, for that, um, especially if they're not like mistreating. There's no, there's no um, uh, stories about them like mistreating employees um, throughout their companies. The Fertitta Brothers. It's not like Walmart. Like they they say that you know there's people that work in Walmart that's that are like on welfare and stuff like that. It's not the case with the station casino. So I don't even see the argument for it. It's just, you know, unions doing what they're supposed to do, I guess, in terms of trying to expand unionization, but at what cost, you know what I mean? Um, anyway, the, one of the, I think where it started to turn is the fact that Sheldon Silver, one of the, the, he was not in the, uh, city elected official, but he was a state uh, um, uh, state senator. Not there's two different state senators. There's uh, like the state senator that is kind of like a city representative, if I'm not mistaken. Like they make up. No, actually, I'm wrong on that. They are they they're not. Don't mistake them with the senator that it's like two per state. It's like state senator. State senate is the balancing party to. Uh, it makes up the state assembly. Them, along with... Oh, fuck. State assembly member. Yeah, state assembly and state senate make up the the balancing uh, uh, bodies to the governor. So there was a state senator called Sheldon Silver, and this is me speculating. I haven't really like looked into this. But he was... He went down and he had to... Uh, step down and I think he's in jail or something like that for corruption and stuff and related activities and after that then the talks of USC being able to come into New York um, came into play so I think he had something to do with the corruption maybe you know through the unions maybe not but he was like the the speaker of he was like the head of the the majority party within the state senate uh, Sheldon Silver and um, you know convoluted politics especially in new york i think have something to do with that anyway long story short or just to cut off that long story make it a little shorter 
the UFC is now able to to uh, take place within New York City. And the first card is at the Square Garden MSG. And it is probably the most stacked card that I've ever seen. There's literally... I'm looking at the card right now, and I'm going to tell you guys all the fights. There's literally one fight where I, and I'm a, um, you know, not a sick, crazy UFC fan. Um, I'm not like completely casual fan because I do watch a bunch of fights, but I'm like somewhere in the middle. But it's saying something that even me, who's not like a sick, crazy UFC fan, I recognize at least, if not both fighters, at least one of the fighters in every single fight, except for one. And this is out of six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, out of thirteen fights. So here's the preliminaries. You have Liz Carmouche and this other girl who I do not recognize, Chukagayan. They're starting it off. Then the fight that I was saying that I don't know either or it's Good versus Muhammad. Then you have Miller versus Alves. Which is gonna be a, a sick fight. I think Alves is uh the Pitbull, right? Yeah. Pitbull Alves. Haven't seen him fight in a while. Um, then you have Natal and Boschek, Tim Boschek. Then you have the first one that I'm anticipating very much so is Rashad Evans and Tim Kennedy. Tim uh Rashad Evans, he's like a, a former champion. Um he has since, you know, he's ranked number seven, you know nothing to to like sneer at or anything like that he's ranked number seven in the world uh, so he's still like a sick fighter he has like an epic knockout of chuck liddell who was who's like one of those like pioneers of the sport you know definite hall of famer has since retired uh, but he knocked out um chuck liddell and like it's one of those like highlight top top knockout highlights ever of the ufc is rashad evans versus versus um chuck liddell um he was a he was a a favorite fighter of mine and i'm looking forward to seeing him fight he's fighting tim kennedy which is a dope dude he's been on on joe rogan experience a bunch of times he's like on some and i think he still is like on the in the reserves or something and like special forces army or or marines or something like that and and he's like one of those let's go and decapitate the fuck out of isis kind of guys and he also fights in the UFC, so he's, like, all around, um, like, alpha dog, patriotic, like, cool dude, you know? Um, so I'm looking forward to this fight. Tim Kennedy is ranked number 12 in the world, just to give you guys a, a little bit of context there. Then you got Nurgamedov versus Michael Johnson. Khabib Nurgamedov, which is, he is one of the most feared if not the most feared person within the 155-pound division, which is Conor McGregor's division. He's ranked number one in the world. His thing, he's like this Russian assassin motherfucker. His thing is that he's always hurt. Like, he gets hurt all the time. Like, after every fight, he's hurt. He has, like, something broken. Um, but he's 23-0. He's undefeated. And he's the person that every every person that he fights, obviously, he beats. But then he gets hurt, and he can't fight for a while. And then he comes back. He beats a person, then he gets hurt again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he's ranked number one in the world. So it'll be very interesting to see what he does against Michael Johnson, who's ranked number six in the world. And um, then see what happens uh, within the 155-pound division. Um, 
Then those are all the... Oh, actually, one more. Sorry. How could I forget? Frankie the Answer Edgar, number two in the world against Jeremy Stevens. That's going to be a dope fight. Uh, the one... Uh, 45 pound. I'm sorry, Connor's in the 145 pound division, but he's going up to fight the 155 pound division, which I'll mention here at the end. Um, Frankie Edgar, a Jersey kid, you know, fighting in MSG, and he's definitely one of my favorite fighters of all time. Jeremy Stevens is, uh, uh, I don't know, if, eh, eh. <laughs> something. What's memorable to me about Jeremy Stevens is at the at the press conference for this particular fight, they um like one of the one of the reporters asked like the entire panel, um who who do you guys think is the best one forty five pounder and who would step up if you know Conor has to evacuate the belt because he wins the other belt et cetera et cetera, and then I don't know where Jeremy Stevens is like sitting towards the back towards the back right corner Conor McGregor is like towards the front center. And Jeremy Stevens says, I am, I'm going to step up. And Conor doesn't know, um, what a, I'm the real uh, hardest hitting puncher in the 145 pound division. Um, blah, blah, blah. He starts saying like, stuff like that. And Conor McGregor is just like, kind of like looking around. And he's like, who the fuck is that guy? Who the fuck said that shit? Who, the, who is that guy? Who invited this guy? Nobody even knows who he is. <laughs> Um, so that was just pretty funny. I don't know. That's what I remember. That's what's memorable to me about Jeremy Stevens. Um, and then, all right, in the main card, you have Misha Tate, which is fighting again, which is cool, against Raquel Pennington. Definitely interested to see what happens in that fight. Um, uh, Misha Tate was the champion of the women's uh, bantamweight, I think it's called, uh, 135 pound champion. And she lost it to Amanda Nunes uh, recently. And she got, like, demolished in that fight. But uh, Misha, Fe- Mila, Misha Tate has always been, like, a, a great fighter. She's, like, the arch nemesis of Ronda Rousey and stuff like that. You guys know her story. Next, you have Gastelum and my man Cowboy Cerrone, which is one of my favorite all-time fighters as well. Uh, Cowboy Cerrone is just all around a uh, dope dude. You guys have heard me speak about him before. And I'm very much so looking forward to that fight. It's kind of like uh, Kevin Gastelum. He's an Ultimate Fighter winner, like from the show. He was like one of those guys that won the show, and now he's 13 and two. Has a great record. He's ranked number five in the world within the 170 pound division. Cowboy Cerrone is ranked number seven in the world. Um, so it's a very close match, a very dope fight. It's uh like a wrestling background from Kevin Gastelum, if I'm not mistaken, and then a uh, a six striking background from Donald Cerrone. Um, so it's a, a dope matchup, you know, the, the ultimate wrestler versus striker type of matchup. Then you have my man, Chris Weidman, which if I'm not mistaken, this is his return fight after being hurt for, for so long. And he's ranked number two in the world after losing the title to Rockhold, which then lost the title to Michael Bisping that I was mentioning before. Uh, Chris Weidman in his fight, fighting Yoel Romero, which is ranked number four in the world. Yoel Romero is... If you guys see him, like, body-wise, he literally, his body literally looks like it's drawn, like a superhero. Like, it's, he's, like, completely chiseled. Like, he has to be on some fucking sort of roids. Like, if, just, like, visually looking at him. But he hasn't been popped or anything like that, as far as I know. So, uh, more power to him. And it's just gonna be, like, cool to see Chris back. Chris is from New York. Um, 
and he's gonna be fighting at the first card at MSG, which is really dope. Next, you have three on this card, three championship fights. You have Joanna Janjacek versus Karolina Kowalikiewicz, two Polish fighters. One of them, Joanna, which is the undefeated 12 and 0, um, sick, sickest female striker ever. Um, but she's like 115 pounds versus like the other female division, which is 135. Um, sickest striker ever, um, versus Carolina Kawalakinski, who is in Poland known as the best Polish fighter ever. And Joanna takes, I guess, not offense to it, but the way they're building this fight up is the uh, civil war of Poland or something like that, because Poland considers Carolina the best fighter ever. You And Joanna is like, yo, I'm from Poland, assholes, and I'm Polish, and but I came to fight in America in the UFC, and I'm the fucking champion here. I'm the best Polish fighter ever. Um, so they have like this little Polish feud uh, going back and forth. And they did fight before in in i think they fought before i could be completely wrong on this but something i think they fought as amateurs or something like that and joanna did beat her then so she's like i already beat you type of thing i think unless i'm imagining that or misread that or something i don't know anyway the professional records are both undefeated joanna's 12 and 0 uh carolina is 10 and 0 and it's going to make for a sick championship fight then you have tyron woodley and Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Tyron Woodley is a dope fighter. He beat Robbie Lawler. I was rooting for Robbie, to be honest, in that fight. Um, but he's a very respectable, very, very adult fighter. Um, and he is the current champion of the 170 pound division. And his record is 16 and 3. And then he's going up against Steven Wonderboy Thompson who whose record is 13 and 1 and he steven wonderboy thompson is ranked number two within that division now wonderboy has a very elusive very uh he has like a point karate background where it's like that style where you have to jump in score points and jump back out like not get hit on the way out tyron woodley has a very i think he, he has a wrestling background definitely and uh his striking is on point and he he has um knockout power so it's going to be very interesting in terms of matchup and the fact that the title's on the line and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson has a lot of a lot of um um like hype behind him in terms of who can who can catch up to this like elusive style of fighting who could figure out this puzzle right because that's how uh martial artists like look at each other like in terms of figuring out like a puzzle like cracking the code uh, to beating you and. You know, this speaking from a guy who has never done any martial arts whatsoever. Um, the except if you if you count watching Power Rangers as a kid and like doing like strikes in the air and shit. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be very a very interesting matchup. Very cool. Very I'm looking forward to this fight. Uh, again, it's the second championship fight of the night. And last but not least, Eddie Alvarez versus Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is the 145 pound champ. Eddie Alvarez is the 155-pound champ. Eddie Alvarez came from... He was in another league, not the UFC, and he was champion there. And then he came to this one. And, like, most people come into UFC from other organizations, and whether they're champions or not. 
and they don't stack up. Eddie Alvarez clearly does um, because he won the title and has defended it since, if I'm not mistaken. And let me just fact check myself real quick on that, see if he defended the title. And um, he has done so. And actually, no, this is his first defense. Eh, okay. So he came in. He has a loss, actually, to Cowboy Cerrone. That's one of his three losses, a decision loss. Uh, then he has a win against Gilbert Melendez, a win against Anthony Pettis. All split decisions. Then a knockout KO in the first round of the then um, champion, Rafael Dos Anjos, which is the guy that that um, McGregor was supposed to fight for the title. Rafael Dos Anjos, before Rafael Dos Anjos got hurt, and then Nate Diaz got thrown into the mix. You guys remember that? That's how that happened. So Eddie Alvarez, when Rafael Dos Anjos got better and was able to fight Eddie Alvarez, beat Rafael Dos Anjos for the 155-pound belt in the first round in a knockout and in a TKO knockout. And now Eddie Alvarez is defending the, the belt against Conor McGregor that McGregor was supposed to um, fight for before Dos Anjos got hurt and before he fought in ATS twice, back-to-back. So this is his... Conor McGregor's, you know, like plan of having uh, Bell in two different uh, divisions. This is it coming to fruition. Let's see what happens with this fight. Definitely looking forward to it. Something I noticed is that, you know, Eddie Alvarez is 155-pound division. Conor McGregor just went up to 170 to fight Nate Diaz, right? Twice, back-to-back. So his body's like on that level. So now Conor's like cutting back down, but he's still the bigger fighter in terms of that, like for whatever that's worth. And, you know, definitely, obviously, he has to cut down to 155, but he's going to blow up back to maybe not 170, maybe 165, 160, like, on fight night. I wonder what Eddie Alvarez walks around that, but it's going to be very interesting just because it's, um, not only is it a historic first-ever fight in New York and Madison Square Garden, but it, it could be the first time that anyone ever in the UFC holds a simultaneously, a simultaneous, bleh, simultaneous championship uh, if Conor wins, he'll be the champion of the 145-pound division and the 155-pound division. That has never happened before. There have been people in the past that that won, let's say, in one division. They they were champions. They lost it. Then they go to another division, become champions there, and uh, so forth. But never simultaneous. Never at the same time. So it could be historic on two levels there. So that's definitely going to be dope to watch. UFC 205 takes place saturday november 12th 2016 so check that out definitely looking forward to that Alrighty, so enough ufc talk i think the majority of the show i should just call this the ufc fucking show or this episode rather uh, a couple more things which is before we get to the free writing portion and then wrap up the show watching a movie that i used i used to love this movie when i was a kid i remember like really really liking it and then i completely forgot it it existed and then it's like one of those things that just like something sparks something something that i heard sparked something that made me think of this movie and they weren't talking about this movie or movies like it or anything like that was just something i even forget what that something was but it like sparked the thought of this movie in my head and i was like holy shit what was that movie called and then uh like googled you know i knew it was something with soldiers but then that movie with uh like the gorgonites and stuff like that the little toys that 
turn into soldiers like that's i think that's called small soldiers or something like that like that kept coming up and i knew it was something with soldiers and um whatever i then i stumbled upon it i youtube youtube a um a trailer of it and it's a 1987 movie called toy soldiers and i'll link to that in the episode notes too actually so you guys could check that out and then it, it like all came back to me and i was like holy shit i remember this movie um so then uh i have a movie night with my wife like once a week and i forced her to watch it <laughs> and we watched it um last last week and it was dope it was it was you know what's sick it's a 1987 movie and it was i do not remember it being like this like gruesome like this type of movie and like my wife was saying wouldn't probably fly today um which is weird because we're i don't know we're more we're more sensitive to things like overly sensitive to certain things but at the same time i don't know i feel like there's more shit going on i don't know uh i think attention is just going like in the wrong directions because then they'll, they'll like censor like a nipple but not censor you know somebody getting decapitated or something like that i don't know <clears throat> sensibilities are weird to like all out of whack and shit anyway in this i don't remember this movie being so like gruesome and not like over the top like say gruesome but certain scenes that you would think that they wouldn't show like in a movie about you know high school spoiler alert by the way if you haven't seen it since 1987 you're probably not um the plot of the story is pretty much a um, i don't know if he's mexican or colombian uh drug cartel leader guy his father goes to prison um he's the head of the the cartel and then he gets extradited to to the united states the son wants to get his father out of jail and to do so he he winds up taking over a boarding school for like uh rich kids now the this boarding school this high school boarding school for rich kids their parents are all like ceos of major um petroleum uh companies and you know sons of senators and and congressmen and and stuff like that and he and his crew pretty much take over this this high school and it is again like a boarding school for all these kids that are known as the quote-unquote rejects because they get kicked out of others other boarding schools for being bad kids and it's like the head of the mafia of the new one of the new jersey family mafias he's in it um his son is in it rather um and like all the quote-unquote bad kids or bad rich kids or whatever go to the school right so the from the terrorist point of view their point is to take take the school and then use them the kids of these powerful people within the united states as leverage to get his father out of prison so then uh long story short the kids this is why it's called toy soldiers wind up forming formulating this plan to like uh, get information out to to the outside to like the the cops and the the uh, army team that is now involved and stuff like that uh, because it's a terrorist situation to get information out to them and then from the inside assist them in throwing over uh the terrorists pretty much but yo these terrorists like they show like shooting in the head and just like killing motherfuckers left and right and not on some like like 
don't know how to explain it. It's like, like they shot kids with fucking machine guns. And it's like stuff like after like all the school shootings and stuff like that probably wouldn't take place now. Like in a movie, probably wouldn't pass. And I was just like, I don't remember being being so fucking gruesome. And like the jokes and the cursing and like stuff like that. I don't know how I like this shit. 1980, no, my bad. It's a 1991 movie, if I'm not mistaken. I'll double check. Anyway, it's going to be linked in the episode once you guys can check that out. But I was like fucking six or seven years old. And I probably watched a couple years after when it was like on TV or something like that. But I couldn't have been more than 10 or 11 when I saw this shit. And um, I remember loving it. And it still fucking holds up. That's, I definitely recommend you guys watching it. Let me know what you think about it. I like the story. Um, Speaking of which, I also started watching a USA show that I thought was an Amazon original show. My brother told me, no, it's a USA show. And then I'm like, duh, fucking literally when you play it on Amazon, it says USA on it. It has like the USA logo or whatever. Um... But I thought it was an Amazon show because, which is pretty cool, by the way. You guys should check out if you have Amazon Prime, which most of you guys do. And and uh, you know, whenever you shop on Amazon, you should go to sponsorday.com forward slash affiliate links and shop through my Amazon banner to hook up the Sponsorday podcast. But that aside, if you have the uh, if you have uh, Amazon Prime, you have access to Amazon Prime Video. And on like iPhones and stuff like that, I'm assuming it's the same on on um, other phones. There's an Amazon Video app that you could download that's free, and uh, you could also, you know, if you just go on Amazon.com and type in the name of a movie, if it's uh, available on uh, on Amazon Prime, you could watch it on there as well. But what the app does is that if you have Amazon Prime, you could stream like a shitload and download um, to watch like on the ground or something if you're like in the subway. Uh, a bunch of like different movies and videos and stuff like that like netflix style type shit and they don't have everything obviously um but it's dope that's where i found this uh, mr robot show which i had heard about before and what and you know it, it it's gotten like like hype and acclaim or whatever behind it uh you know being put up there with shows like in terms of i guess i don't know if popularity or just um from a writing standpoint, shows like uh, like Better Call Saul or or The Walking Dead, you know, like recent shows that have been known to be good. I'm not saying it's on the exact same level as them or whatever. Uh, and obviously, it's a it's a a matter of like taste and personal opinion and stuff like that. And I I don't know. I wasn't like really drawn to it. The title a little bit throws me off, Mr. Robot. I throw like some sci-fi like type of thing that I'm, I wouldn't be into, and then I heard on the uh, Nerdist uh, Writers Panel podcast with Ben Blacker that I listened to. He had the creator Sam Esmail on it, uh, the writer and creator of it, and uh, I love listening to to shows like that, especially with popular shows, just to get like a behind the scenes view of how the story came to be, like how did how did it get created, um, and what their process is and stuff like that. And see if I could pick up little tips and tricks from them. Um, and he described the show, and it was it wasn't what I thought it was, and he described it in a way that I was like, yo, you know what, I want to check out this guy's work, um, and I did, and I found it on Amazon prime video which is free 
if you have Amazon Prime. And you can just stream stream them. Uh, the entire first season is available for free. It's currently in its, like, midway through its second season. You can't watch the second season on Amazon Prime yet. Um, but you can watch the entire first season, which is fine for me. And I've seen almost every episode already. Um, missing, like, the last two or three. And it's a dope show. I, I described it as... It's probably been described like this uh, before. But in my opinion, it's, like, Dexter mixed with um the sopranos and i feel like those shows like influence this one but instead of like i compared to the sopranos just because of the whole uh tony soprano was like uh showed his vulnerability vulnerable vulnerable sides vulnerabilities by going to therapy and and just fleshing out all his issues and stuff like that to his therapist similarly Spoiler alert. Similarly, in Mr. Robot, the main character, Elliot, does the same thing. He goes to a um, a, a psychologist, and he's he's supposed to be on medications, and you kind of don't know if he's crazy or just hallucinating a bunch of shit or what, but he doesn't take his medication, and he, like, talks to himself, and, um, you know, he's very antisocial and and stuff like that, Um, but, like, super must be like on the spectrum type of thing like super smart intelligent like when it comes to computers and hacking and stuff like that um so yeah I, that's why i compare it to because shows his vulnerabilities um i compare it to the sopranos in that sense then compared to dexter in the sense of that it's self-narrated you know how dexter used to like talk to himself but like talk to us at the same time by doing so um but like thinking to himself uh elliot does the same thing and Dexter was kind of like this vigilante that used to kill other um, serial killers. And Elliot in Mr. Robot is a vigilante that hacks and, like, destroys the lives, basically, of people that, that not necessarily that fuck with him, but just of, like, bad people. Like, he he uncovered this, like, child uh, pornography ring, like, guy or whatever, and he confronted him and sat him down you know he met him at uh at one of his he was like the owner of a coffee shop coffee chain or something like a starbucks type of thing and he sat him down and uh he just sat in front of him and started telling him like all the shit that he knows about him like i know you do this i know you got blah 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 blah. he goes through like a dexter style rant and telling him if you don't you know turn yourself in um or sell all your chains and donate it all to like child abuse things i don't know something like that and just exposes the fuck out of people and to and pretty much blackmails them instead of killing them like dexter did blackmails them into doing like the quote-unquote right thing so it's like dexter but instead of with killing with hacking and it's a pretty dope show um the the main i guess arc of it is the fact that he you know works a nine-to-five job in a cybersecurity place. And then he gets recruited by this underground hacking crew that has a goal of taking down the largest corporate company in the world that owns like 75% of the world's debt. And their goal is to hack into them and pretty much erase all the debt. And, and you know, it's it'll be the, the biggest, they describe it as the biggest transfer of of wealth ever in the history of the world or whatever because 75 percent of the world's debt would just be wiped out and people wouldn't owe that money anymore to this evil corporate empire and uh 
it's a it's a pretty dope show. I'm I'm really enjoying it. The writing is great, and I uh, I like the stories. Now, lastly, before my last, uh, again, before going over the rewriting the free writing session portion of the podcast, it is the the uh, second debate with Donald Trump. I missed most of it because we were at the hospital with, like I mentioned, my uh, my new niece being born. And I caught the tail end of it, though, like probably like the last half hour. And this is after this debate is after it was anticipated because this is after the tapes leaked of uh, this guy, uh, Donald Trump, saying that, you know, he tried fucking a married woman and grabbing her by the pussy and he just kisses women when he wants to and they like it and blah, blah, blah. And that type of shit, which is which is sexual harassment, obviously. And um, these things like leaked out. So it was like an anticipated debate in terms of that. And just the general hype and momentum of the first debate. The first debate, by the way, between uh, uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton was the most watched debate ever in history. Um, and, you know, after this this leak of this this audio tape, it was it was interesting to see how it was going to play out. I want to go back and watch the whole thing, but I haven't yet. Um, and but like I said in the in the intro portion of the podcast, or I guess I don't know, whatever. Like I said earlier, I have a way out for Donald Trump. Where, you know, he, you know how he's like the scumbag, piece of shit, horrible, fucking person to like most of us nobody even knows who the fuck all these people are that are are voting for him and maybe you know we're just in our own like little bubble but that aside uh he just comes up you know the republican leadership is turning his back on him now people are asking him to like resign from running which who has ever who has that ever happened to some people are, are proposing that pence run in his place as the as the head of the ticket and i don't know if that's ever happened um, I don't think it has, but it's, you know, it's crazy. A way that I think that Trump could come out of this unscathed, virtually unscathed, and or maybe scathed, but probably by whoever's supporting him now, and would be right up his alley. It'll be right in line with his egotistical type of of doing everything he does, like for himself, personal gain type of uh makeup that he has and maybe even be be applauded for it would be if he not just resigns cuz he he'll, he'll probably like write it write it out i feel like on some level he's he's you know and i'm not the first person to say this but there's the whole you know he's just running he just ran like for personal attention and stuff like that like to sell books and appearances and you know just to put his name out there more more so that's what his uh, a large part of his career and his life is based off is just promoting his name and this is the you know the ultimate nationwide type of uh, uh, self-promotion and then he just started getting momentum and he's kind of just like oh shit they're still they still like me let me you know keep riding this wave um so there's a little bit of that going on i think but at the same time so because of that reason like he and he's too like egotistical, I think, to stop that. To you know, take say, you know what? Yeah, I fucked up. I'm not gonna do this, this, and that. So he's gonna write it out until the wheels fall off. 
I think he's that type of personality. Um, but when he loses, knock on wood, <laughs> then I think it would be he could instantly just with one like small speech, not some drawn out you know bullshit lingering. Oh, I'm so smart. This is why I did, I did this type of speech. But if he just says something to the effect of my job here is done the point of me running this campaign is to show the holes within our political system which i think is corrupt and bullshit and a person like me seeing all the negative fucked up shit that i said that i knew i was saying for the purpose of just headlines and just to show you guys how far somebody can get that is that really did believe all this crazy shit that i'm saying can get this far is a testament to the fact that we have to rework our 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 democracy our current political system get money out of politics and blah 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 and the main best way that we do that is to virtually destroy one of the parties that have a stranglehold on the whole citizens united movement that spawned all of this and is at the epicenter of all the negativity and bullshit and i have myself because only i could do it like, of course, you'll say some shit like that, have dismantled the Republican Party and have disrupted it beyond repair. And I, Donald Trump, am standing with you, Hillary Clinton, to give you all the help and support that I can to make sure that you continue driving this point and we, you know, make America great again or whatever, you know, do like his little plug and then just do a fucking mic drop after that. And I think everybody would be like, holy shit, he fucking trolled us for the past year. And, you know, he's a real noble person all of a sudden. I think he could instantly flip it by doing some crazy shit like that. But beyond that, he's a piece of shit. All right. <laughs> now, let's get to the free writing portion of the podcast. I shouldn't even call this a free writing episode. It should just be like a random rant episode. I've done like an hour already of just all the other stuff. All right. But that's why I'm just going to do one free writing post, like I said. And to follow along, if you guys want to, or to just check out this piece in and of itself. It was posted on October 9th, 2016 on my um, website, spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. And actually, if you just go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing, you can find it under October 9th. 2016 but if you want the direct link it's sponsor.com forward slash free writing forward slash we the people now uh, just to give you guys a little bit of context which i do actually in the beginning of this piece but let me just tell you real quick what this post is related to it's related to the whole you know black lives matter movement and stuff like that but specifically and police shootings but specifically a two-part podcast that i listened to um the podcast is called we the people with uh, josh zepps and he put this out as a two-part podcast and on it he had sam harris that you know you guys know um i'm a, a huge fan of sam harris he's like that neuroscientist uh author that has a he gets a lot of flag with the whole uh his take on extreme like Muslims and jihadists and stuff like that. Um, who else? Hannibal Burst, the comedian, which is funny as hell. Uh, Joe Rogan was on it, and the host, Josh Zepps. So, pretty much, Sam Harris 
got into what was said to be like a heated, you know, crazy back and forth argument with Hannibal Burris, but it wasn't that. It was a bit of a heated like back and forth in terms of, you know, it wasn't just a normal regular conversation. Um, but I think it got hyped up more more than necessary. And people were I'm I'm guessing there were people on both sides. The only people that I saw like say things about it, at least on Twitter and stuff like that, social media, were saying that oh you know Hannibal is, is looked horrible and he has no idea what he's talking about and blah 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 and I don't completely share that sentiment even though like I 100% agree with Sam Harris on his like kind of like black and white type of not black and white necessarily but because there there's a lot of nuance to what he says but his he sticks to statistics basically, which is extremely important and necessary, but, and Hannibal's kind of like, but black people are getting shot, black people are getting shot, <laughs> I'm uh, obviously paraphrasing, and that's not all he was saying, but he was coming from a standpoint of, like, none of that shit matters if this, this, and that, um, and that's, in and of itself, it doesn't answer the, the problem, I think, or isn't a fix to the, to, to the issue, but, is also a necessary component of the conversation. Anyway, um, I linked to both of the podcast episodes. If you guys want to listen to it yourselves, at least listen to the first part. Uh, that's where the bulk of it is. And um, pretty much after listening to these episodes, I wrote this little free writing piece with just my take on the situation. And uh, here it is. Again, it's posted October 9th, 2016 at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. The title of it is about a We The People Live podcast episode. I wrote this after listening to this two-part podcast of We The People. In it, Sam Harris and Hannibal Burris get into a heated back-and-forth exchange surrounding the topics of police shootings, the Black Lives Matter movement, etc. Many said slash feel that Hannibal came out of the convo looking horribly. I don't share in that sentiment though, especially after factoring in the fact that he was drunk as fuck. Here's my take on the convo. Which by the way is a is a super important distinction. Just to give you guys a full context of this, and this is something that, that Rogan did mention during the episode, because he was kind of like playing peer mediator, I guess, <laughs> between the two, is the fact that Hannibal Burris had just recorded an episode of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast right before this podcast started, which he wasn't even aware of what's happening. So this, this is what happened. Hannibal Burris, the comedian, which for those of you that don't know, is the comedian that kind of like outed Bill Cosby and, and stuff like that. He's a, a funny comic in and of itself, but he's like more, I guess, known for outing Bill Cosby as being the fucking rapist that he was. Um, He... He was on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, and they recorded a Joe Rogan Experience podcast episode, which is three hours long. You know, he definitely, absolutely got second, at least secondhand smoke contact high, <laughs> and they were drinking, um, like whiskey or something, throughout the entire episode. And so Hannibal was drunk as hell. So you kind of sort of hear him like slurring a little bit in in the uh, We the People episode. So that obviously factors into the entire thing, even with that. Even, let's say he was completely sober and this is how he acted sober 
it wasn't as bad i think as people like hyped it up to be and people are kind of like oh you're so ignorant so stupid or whatever and it's not i think people are just weighing too much heavily into one side of the argument and completely not appreciating the importance of this other side of it and yeah so then after the fact josh zepps was going to joe rogan's um uh, studio to record the episode of his podcast along with sam harris and joe rogan but hannibal was still there he was invited to stay he did and then we have this these uh two episodes of the we the people live podcast episode which uh the links again are in the episode notes of this episode as well as in the episode notes or in the uh, uh the post itself on my website uh for this post all right so Here's my take on the convo. This is what I wrote. Quote, the only way to talk about the totality of what's going on is to talk about statistics. Unquote. I agree with that statement from Sam Harris. The only way to grasp the emotional, the emotional strife of what's going on, however, is to talk about individually lived experiences. In my opinion, the issue lies in both sides believing that the whole picture is comprised of either or when in actuality both sides are necessary what's the fix i can't say with any degree of certainty but where the fix is lies in bridging the gap to include both facets of that conversation until then we're going to continue having these standstill polarizing side picking arguments the goal should be to mesh the two i think we lose sight of that sometimes then just for shoots and giggles i added hashtag black blah, hashtag black lives matter hashtag dominican lives matter hashtag insert your ethnicity lives matter hashtag all lives matter and i wrote that on september 9th 2016 at 9 7 a.m so yeah, my whole thing is I feel like Sam Harris, like it's represented in that quote of his um, during this podcast, is that in order to speak about the totality of what's going on, we have to talk about the st- statistics. And that's 100% true. Um, and then where I feel Hannibal was coming from, at least what I deciphered from what he was saying, is that the only way to grasp the emotional strife, which is an equal component to you know the statistic and the statistics and having the ability to speak about the totality of the argument is to grasp is to talk about individually lived experiences and Hannibal you know spoke a lot about have you ever been pulled over by cops when you were like jogging and exercising in the street and you know because you were black and you had a hoodie on and you were jogging and you know and he kept mentioning stuff like that which is like individually lived experiences that really do bring a non-calculated non-statistical component of the situation into the picture that can't be ignored it can't be either or we have to speak and you can't just speak off emotions alone you can't just uh, be passionate have you ever got pulled over hey i'm, uh, I'm black black people get shot uh, you know you can't just drive the conversation to it's necessary destination by speaking solely about the emotional aspects of it and being encompassed by that emotional uh, 
that emotion that 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 fogs your ability to reason but at the same time you can't allow statistics alone to fog your reasoning when it comes to factoring in the fact that you know what the facts the statistics could say that out of 10 people five people are white five people are black that got shot hypothetically speaking but you can't go into the white community and tell that white mother that lost her white kid that it happens equally across the board. Just like you can't go into that black community and tell that black mother that lost her black kid it happens equally across the board and expect some type of solace to come out of that. So those two polarizing views or stances on the situation of this is the way you fix it versus that's the way yeah, um, we fix it need to come together and meet in the middle and figure out that both components of the conversation are equally as necessary to get anywhere. If not, we're going to remain at this standstill. And that's the way I see that. And that's the episode, folks. This one went kind of long, actually. Longer than, than expected. Uh, hopefully when you guys listen to this, I'm having my breakfast on the beach in Mexico and I definitely plan on recording a podcast episode or two while I'm there. Something I am definitely going to do while I'm there is, uh, aside from the fact that I'm setting up, you know, like my midday Monday newsletter and the podcast episodes in advance, um, to make sure everything stays on point while I'm there is that I want to disconnect from everything, um, while I'm there. No, like, social media, no texting, no anything for the the uh, six days that I'm going to be away. Uh, I'm going to dedicate that time to my wife and myself. And, you know, it's a honeymoon. That's what it should be. And uh, just, to, just to unplug and, like, unwind and, and just, like, refresh for a minute. You know what I mean? Uh, before getting back into the rat race here in the world. And, um... If you guys don't hear the episode of of uh, that I recorded while in Mexico, or or anything about it, or any other episode thereafter, that means a uh, uh, El Chapo drug cartel caught up to us while in Chichen Itza or something like that, and and um, I am no more. But if that doesn't happen, <laughs> then uh, look out for another episode of the Spun Today podcast in a couple of weeks after my return. Alrighty, so that's the episode. Like I said, folks, if you want to stick around and listen to the outro credits to figure out how you can help support the podcast, please do so. And if not, then thank you very much for listening. So one way to support the podcast is by signing up to my newsletter. It's a weekly newsletter that I release every Monday at noon. And that's why it's called the Midday Monday Boost Letter. In it, I put in five different topics that are important to me. And that I want to share with the world, or at least the half a dozen subscribers of you that that uh, read it. <laughs> and it is a picture of the day because I'm into photography, and I'm planning on taking dope pictures in in Mexico, hopefully. Um, that I'll be sharing on my website, sponsor.com forward slash photography, that you guys can check out. Um, but yeah, the midday Monday boost letter has a photography section, or you know, a picture of the week, if you will. 
uh, it has a podcast that I choose to to promote as the podcast of the week of the many, many, many different podcasts that I listen to. It has a quote of the week. You know, something that uh, tickled my fancy and inspired me that week. And uh, I put out there as a video of the week, something interesting or funny or cool that I saw on the internet video wise that I share with you guys. It could be a comedy skit. It could be a battle rap. It could be uh, any random video or something that for some reason I felt was worth sharing. And you also have a word of the week. Um, it's words. I like using words. Hence me being an aspiring writer. Um, and uh, check it out. If you guys are are into any of that kind of stuff, subscribe to the podcast. I promise not to bombard you with bullshit. It's uh, one email per week on Mondays at noon. What else you have going on on a fucking Monday? You're at your cubicle at work. Hating your life. And the least you can do for yourself is get yourself a midday Monday boost letter and uh, boost your mood a little bit. Next, you can support the podcast by filling out a Spun Today questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. I referenced the questionnaire as if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? And it's questions, it's five questions, open-ended questions like what inspires you to write or create, what is the hobby that you have that's unrelated to your craft, stuff like that. And uh, what I do is take your answers and share them on the podcast. I give you a shout out um, or you can remain anonymous if you choose to. That's an option there on the questionnaire. And if you're interested, check it out at sponsor.com forward slash questionnaire. Another way to support the podcast is by checking out the photography that I mentioned at sponsor.com forward slash photography. It's uh, pictures that I take that I think uh, look kind of cool. And I want to share them with you guys for free. They're on the website. You can download any of them digitally. And uh, like I said, I'll be definitely adding pictures from Mexico in there. So look out for those. And if you actually want prints of the photography, you can check out created.com. C-R-A-T-E-D.com. Forward slash spun today. And you can order posters or framed uh, uh, photography uh, from my photography, basically. Next is the affiliate links. Uh, you can go to my website, click on the affiliate links tab up on top, and it'll show you a page of how you can support the podcast through any of my affiliate links. Now, the way it works is that if you go on there right now, for example, you'll see like Amazon banners and iTunes banners, and if you click on them, it'll just, it's like uh, um, clicking you know, through Google or something like that and going directly to Amazon dot com through that portal like it's called so you click on it takes you to amazon.com and you do your shopping like you normally do and what that does is out of everything that you purchase amazon from their cut their end of it gives the sponsor podcast a donation a pennies on the dollar donation per purchase that you make um it doesn't cost you anything extra but it's just a way of amazon saying thank you for driving traffic to our website here's a little something for you buy yourself something nice and um i would really appreciate it so check that out at sponsored.com forward slash affiliate links and um support the podcast by shopping on amazon or shopping on uh, itunes for example you can check out the viral store store uh spun today store where you can get mugs and t-shirts 
uh, to support the Spun Today podcast and like my Black Lives Matter t-shirt that, that I mentioned uh, to you guys in the past. It's a limited time only. I'm not going to have that up there forever. But it currently just says, like in the front, uh, PD, standing for Police Department, uh, training manual. And under it, it says, when in doubt, blame the black guy. And then in the back, it says Black Lives Matter. So check that out. It's available in a couple colors. And it's uh, the premium premium kind tea. Uh, fabric, or whatever you call it. And uh, check that out. Uh, let me know what you guys think. And uh, just check out the store periodically. I'm going to be putting out different designs, different like limited edition, quote unquote, designs. Things that I think are cool or funny that that uh, I would want for myself and uh, put out there. So check it out. Um, what else? What else? What else? You can also support the podcast by ordering my book. It's called Make Way For You, Tips for Getting Out of Your Own Way. It's available in paperback or ebook formats in wherever you read books, either on Kindle, Kobo, Smashwords, iBooks. Uh, you can order a paperback from Amazon. And um, if you want to know more about the book, go to sponsoraycom forward slash books. And there you will find a small, uh, a short, very short video of me describing what it is um how the book came to be then you have four different free audio uh excerpts of the book so you can get an idea of what what it's like and yeah check it out sponsor.com forward slash books and also if you want a free copy of it i'll send you a free copy of it if you want to uh, pay the, the three bucks that it costs to purchase Feel free to go onto that same link on my website, put in your name and email address, and click send me a free PDF copy, and I will. Uh, next, if you can rate and review the podcast, I would really appreciate it on iTunes, Stitcher, subscribe to the YouTube um, page, like it on YouTube, or listen on any of your favorite other podcatchers, <clears throat> like Pocket Casts, or Google Play, or iHeartRadio etc etc the more you rate and review the podcast the more exposure it gets and i would really really appreciate that above all else do that follow me on twitter and instagram at spun today on both like the facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash spun today check out the tumblr page at spun today podcast.tumblr.com and that's it folks that's all you got to do that said, as always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. <laughs>